At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Brother from Another program. It's the well, it's a brother from another family. It really is. It's usually Michael Smith, my brother from another, and myself today. Uh, Michael cannot make it today, and he may not be able to make it this week. Look, it, it's uh, it's it's something on this show. We talk all the time, uh, very unapologetically on this show. Uh, we talk about our faith. So uh, keep Michael in your prayers, keep his family uh, in your prayers, and we are hopeful that Michael is back soon and to make the show what it normally is. We will try to hold it down without him, though, and I think we will. We'll hold it down until our brother returns, and I got to tell you, Michael Smith, if you're watching somewhere, if you're listening somewhere, ooh, you better be glad you're not here today because if you were here today, I don't think you'd be able to say anything. For the first time in a long time, I think you'd be speechless because we would start off with the Urban Meyer situation. And it's a situation uh, in Jacksonville. Now, for those who follow the show very closely, you know I've been talking with Michael for a while about Urban Meyer. And he's under the impression that I'm talking about Urban Meyer because I'm some scorned Ohio State Buckeyes fan. By the way, there are no such things as scorned Ohio State Buckeyes fans. We've had so much success over the years. What's there to be concerned about? What's there to be what's there to be scorned about? One of the premier programs in the country, but I digress. This has nothing to do with Ohio State. It has nothing to do with Urban Meyer personally. It is just what I see. Urban Meyer is not a good fit for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's never been a good fit for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And even when he started to get it right, he started to get it right a little bit after their Thursday night football loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. 24 to 21, last second field goal. Trevor Lawrence played well. Uh, Robinson, the running back who only got five carries in their first start, in his first start under Urban Meyer, actually had two touchdowns. Urban Meyer made some good coaching decisions, but they lose to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals 24-21. After that game, you remember Urban Meyer said post-game, look, uh, I'm usually not wrong about this. I'm not wrong about this. There's some wins in that locker room. I feel I'm heartbroken for these guys. You know, we're going to turn this thing around. Yes, we are. And what does he do? <laughs> you can't make this up. What does he do? He doesn't even get on the plane with his team going back to Jacksonville. Team gets on the plane. He's heartbroken for the guys. It's a bonding moment, you think, for the Jaguars. He doesn't get on the plane. What does he do? He goes from Cincinnati to Columbus, where he's got his own restaurant. And he is caught because I don't know. I don't know. Does he think there's not the internet? Does he think there's not Google? Does he think there's not cell phones uh, in the great state of Ohio? He starts doing some things at a bar at his restaurant with uh, a young woman who is not his wife and he is caught and that goes viral, rightfully so. And now Urban Meyer is a pro coach in name only, a pro coach doing college things, doing silly things and has to apologize to his team because his, ma his mantra in Jacksonville is own it. And so now he's got to own that when they were going back to Jacksonville, thinking about how they could get better as a team, theoretically, their head coach was in his own restaurant looking for pats on the back in the state, in one of the states where he made his name as a college coach and getting pats on the back and other things. But it's a family show. But you get the idea. You get the idea. Uh, anyway, 
This is this is not going to end well. Shad Khan, owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, released a statement today, and, and I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but it's just the the whole point is, Urban Meyer has to do a lot to regain the credibility and the trust of his players. But uh, respectfully, Shad, I think it's too late for that. From the start, from the start, some of us, I wasn't the only one, some of us looked at this and said, this is not really an ideal fit. So he had to, he had to gain trust and credibility before he even walked into the door in Jacksonville. And maybe that's not fair, but some guys who are known as pro coaches come in with a little cachet and others who are either unknowns or known for their work in the college game have to prove that they know how to deal with fully grown men. See, Urban, this is what Urban doesn't understand. These guys aren't on scholarship. They're not looking for his blessing. They're not trying to curry favor with Urban Meyer so he'll say some nice things to the NFL scouts who come on campus so they can go from being a third-round pick to a second-round pick or a second-round pick to a first-round pick. These are guys who are already established in the league, a lot of them, and they are on equal level with urban if not on a higher level they've got guaranteed contracts or guaranteed money if they don't make it in jacksonville they can go somewhere else in the league in in college football whether it was at utah or florida or ohio state urban meyer was the gatekeeper urban meyer was the final word on everything not here so when you go there in front of grown men and try to tell them uh, some half truths or some story that doesn't necessarily add up. It's hard to be credible. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work out. Uh, Michael Silver has done some uh, really good reporting on this. And if you just if you just take his reporting, if you take his reporting, it is consistent with what's been out there before. Jason Lockenfora had had a report after the first game of the year saying that staff and players staff and players were a little discouraged, a little concerned about the methodology of Urban Meyer. Not a surprise. Once again, you know how many games he lost at Ohio State? His entire time in Columbus, he lost nine games at Ohio State. Oh, he's going to lose. He's going to lose nine games at least uh, this year in Jacksonville. As a matter of fact, if he only loses nine, uh, it will be it will be an upset. They finish eight and nine. That's a pretty good season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, at the beginning of the year, they were already concerned about some of the things that Urban Meyer was doing. And now, after he is caught in his restaurant, kind of getting a little close with a young woman dancing and doing all sorts of things as his wife, you can't make this up as his wife was at home with the grandkids and, and on social media saying, yeah, uh, 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 Bubba, Papa, whatever she called him, daddy, what she called him, whatever nickname, pet name. Daddy needs to, daddy needs some time off. She's at home alone and urban is out in the crowd messing around with somebody who he has kind of intimated is a, a, a random person that he doesn't really know, but that's questionable. Last thing I'll say on this. Last thing I'll say besides, I won't be shocked if he doesn't make it through the year. That's not a hot take. I've been saying it all along. Be consistent. This is not just a reactionary uh, comment on, on the news of the day. I'll be surprised if he makes it through the entire year. I thought maybe this would be happening next year. I don't know if he'll make it to game 10 or game 11. Really, I'm serious. But the last thing I'll say on this is, and, and you'll disagree. You'll get mad at me over this. So be it. We got families, families disagree. Why do we always say when people get in trouble and it's not illegal, we say that's between him and his wife. Or, you know, that's not for me to comment on. Why not? Why not? Why, why, why don't we comment on these things? Urban Meyer has made himself out to be a, a, a reliable head coach, a family man. He has taught, his wife has been a part of, of press conferences when he is announced 
at schools. He has talked about his wife. His wife talks about him. Why don't we say, well, wait a minute. Isn't that, doesn't that speak to a part of his character? Don't be afraid to say that. I'm not afraid to say it. Yes, I will judge him on this. I will judge and say, oh, that's another piece of information about Urban Meyer that maybe I didn't know. Maybe I didn't know that he was doing things like that. Yes, yes, I will. Pay attention to this situation. Anyway, let's go from all right to all, let's go from all wrong to all right, I should say. And what's the difference between all wrong and all right? I'd say it's about 450 miles, roughly 450 miles from Jacksonville, Florida to Talladega, Alabama. You think I like to drive a little bit? We took a family road trip this summer, driving all over the United States. So you leave Jacksonville, I think you head to the Northwest. Correct me, fact check me if I'm wrong. Head to the Northwest, go through parts of Georgia, get into Alabama, Talladega, Talladega, where for just the second time, for the second time in history, a black man won a NASCAR cup race. And that black man is Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace won at the Talladega Speedway. First time since 1963 that a black man won a NASCAR race. And this gets even better. I'm gonna tell you why it gets better. It gets better even though if I give you the details, you might be discouraged by some of the things I'm saying. I said the second time since 1963, what happened in 1963, the actual winner, and it's funny how this works out. The race was in Jacksonville in 1963. Actual winner of the race was not declared the winner until after the race was over. It gets worse. It gets worse than that. Won the race, lapped the field in 1963. The winner of the race did not get the trophy until 1965. No, 1975. No, didn't get, didn't get the actual trophy. Didn't actually get recognized till after he was gone. His family, his family, his grandson, his, his grandkids got the honor that he should have gotten in 1963. Honest mistake? Of course not. It's NASCAR. And we can't run from the history of it. We can't pretend like this had nothing to do with race. You can't pretend, just as we can't pretend like Bubba Wallace and some of the criticism that he has gotten and continues to get has nothing to do with race. Of course it does. But in the midst of that, in the midst of protest, in the midst of, of people still waving Confederate flags outside of official NASCAR speedways because they want to hold on to the past and, and they have, some of them, some, have a great deal of resentment toward people who look like me, perhaps you, and certainly Bubba Wallace. In the midst of that, he goes out, does his job, and becomes the second black winner in NASCAR history, second winner in 58 years. Oh, I feel like preaching. I told you we talk about faith on the show. Oh, there's a sermon in there. There's a sermon. So despite the, uh, despite the pushback uh, and despite some of the intentionally false narratives that have been put on Bubba Wallace, he continues to thrive. What do I mean by that? Well, you remember last year, 2020, there was a noose found in Bubba Wallace's garage. He did not find it. So let me just correct that right now. Some people you know, may have just kind of scanned over the story. He did not find the noose. He was told that there was a noose in his garage. There was an FBI investigation. NASCAR let him know that this was happening. It wasn't Bubba going in there saying, oh, wait a minute, let me look up there. That knot, well, that's just not just a knot. Uh, that looks like a noose. People are out to get me. That's not what happened. But our former president, Donald Trump, weighed in, said Bubba Wallace was overreacting. Uh, he got a lot, of, uh, a lot of criticism about his, uh, I guess, people thought his, his uh, propensity, his desire to kind of make up, uh, make up some 
racial uh, scandal, some, some, uh, uh, some, some racial story, for lack of a better word, better phrase. People thought he was making it up. He wasn't, clearly. And he has continued to do his thing despite people saying, oh, wait a minute, he's a, he's a fraud. And he's, he's, everywhere he's gone, everywhere he's gone, this has followed him around. In the midst of that, he's been a champion. Let's hear from Bubba Wallace. I want to hear from Bubba Wallace. We got the Bubba Wallace sound. Let's hear with Bubba uh, after winning his race. Here he is. I want to know what it means to you, the second African-American, first since Wendell Scott, to get to victory lane at this level. Yeah, I never, uh, I never think about those things. And when you, when you say it like that, it <laughs> it's obviously brings a lot of emotion, a lot of joy to my family, fans, uh, friends. It's pretty damn cool. So just proud to be a winner in the Cup Series. This is all those kids out there that want to have an opportunity uh, and whatever they want to achieve and be the best at what they want to do. And you're going to go through a lot of bullshit. Um, but you always got to stick true to your, your, your path and, and not let the, the nonsense get to you. And uh, stay strong, stay humble, stay hungry. Uh, there's been plenty of times where I wanted to give up. And you surround yourself with the right people. And it's moments like this that you appreciate. Bubba, there's a lot of people in this garage area and a lot of people around the world that are very proud of you right now. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Bubba Woo! Wallace. It's powerful stuff. Bubba Wallace, congratulations. I got a couple. I guess I do talk a lot, huh? I, I see. I, can, I, can, I, can I pull back the curtain real quick before we talk with our, our first guest, uh, Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy? Can I pull back the curtain? So we figure out, hey, Michael, you're gonna do you're gonna do the first 20 minutes by yourself, and you know who knows, man. I I, I don't know if, if you need some support, you need some help. I mean, can you really talk for 20 minutes by yourself? And I thought I'd get to like, <laughs> I thought I'd get to like four or five topics. Hey, you know, bounce around because who talks that much? Apparently I do. So I got to, hey, hey, Urban, I got to own it too. I guess I do talk a lot. Let me get you a couple couple more topics before we uh, take a break and check in with uh, Coach Tony Dungy. I told you I wanted Michael Smith to be here today so I could kind of say I told you so about Jacksonville. You know who else I want to be here today? I hope he's somewhere listening. Mr. Unbuttoned Podcast, our, our other brother, brother Chris Sims. Chris Sims, I told you last week that I would see you in New York because I thought Red Sox-Yankees, that one-game playoff, first one-game playoff between the Red Sox and Yankees since 1978. Before I was born, that's a lie. I was eight. Anyway, uh, one-game playoff, generational playoff, Red Sox-Yankees, I thought that the Yankees wouldn't choke because they came into Boston. They swept the Red Sox. They outscored them 19 to nine. You know what the score was after the seventh inning in those three games? Nine to one. So they just overwhelmed them in the late innings. I thought that this one game playoff would take uh, take place at Yankee Stadium, but no, <laughs> it's in Boston tonight. Red Sox, Yankees, Nathan Avaldi on the hill for the Red Sox and Garrett Cole without spider tack, I hope on the mound for the Yankees. So listen, I, I, I can tell you very briefly, I'm, without going through the history of Red Sox Yankees and what it used to be, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna enjoy this more now, maybe not more than the 2004 Red Sox win for the first time in 86 years, you might've heard about it, but I may not enjoy it more than I did in 2004, but I'm gonna enjoy it more than some previous Red Sox playoff appearances because this is the first time that the Red Sox and Yankees are meeting and the expectations are not there for either team to win the championship. Usually, it used to be this arms race back and forth. Yankees, Yankees would sign a free agent. Red Sox come back and sign a free agent. All right, Red Sox would do something. Yankees would do something. And they'd snipe at each other in the media, all that stuff. And the fans would get into fights. Some of that stuff is still happening, but not at the same level as it was back in the day. I like the fact that the Red Sox are a flawed team. They're like your favorite softball team, like your neighborhood softball team. They can slug it. Uh, they can't field worth anything. I mean, if they when they lose, whether it's tonight, they won't lose tonight, though. Uh, when they lose out of the playoffs, it will be because somebody dropped the ball or a base running error. They are a fun, entertaining, flawed team. And Chris Sims, 
hide your phone tonight. Hide your phone tonight. You had some very profane messages that I'm sure Phil is disappointed that you use language like that with somebody who's supposed to be your brother. But hide your phone tonight because the Red Sox are going to beat the Yankees. And finally, I can't wait to talk with Coach Dungey about this. Justin Herbert getting it done. How about this? 500 completions before his 20th game in the NFL? Don't tell me what young quarterbacks can't do. Young quarterbacks, old quarterbacks, 44-year-old quarterbacks in Foxborough setting NFL records. We'll talk about that next with Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy. Brother from another. Don't go anywhere. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We talked about this game. We talked about it as soon as the schedule came out. We saw week four. October 3rd, Patriots, Buccaneers, the return of Tom Brady to Foxborough. And we hyped, and listen, especially living in Boston, I think it was a, it was a full-time sport. Talking about the Patriots on the side and the Buccaneers and Tom Brady full-time. There were lots of sponsorships for Tom Brady programs. Coach Dungey was on and on. And it did, it lived up to the hype. It was a dramatic game. 30 million people watched it on NBC uh, most watched game in nine years on Sunday Night Football part of that coverage our guest Hall of Fame football coach Tony Dungy Tony how you doing today Michael I'm doing well but I'm exhausted too we were on we started our (laughs) meetings at nine o'clock in the morning I worked until maybe 1 30 the next morning and it was all football, all Patriots, Bucks, Tom Brady. Uh, but it, it was exciting, and it was well worth it. It was, it was tremendous. You know, Michael Smith's not here, uh, Coach, and we always talk about relationships. We talk about relationships uh, in, at, at home, relationships at work. And I really, that's what stood out to me, and I'd, I'd love to get your take on this. What stood out to me about the entire game was not the game itself, it was post-game. I said this to Michael yesterday. I just was moved. Uh, very much so by seeing everybody come up to Tom Brady, whether it was former teammates, whether it was coaches, members of the staff. He had his time with uh, Robert Kraft before the game, their PR people before the game. And it just seems to me that when we're watching the game as fans, we, we focus so much on all the action on the field, the great action on the field. But I would say you really feel the presence of a player, of a special player, when he's gone, because you think about the relationships that were forged while he was there. Is, is that a fair characterization? You are so right. And we had a camera on Tom Brady almost 24-7 from the time he stepped off the plane. And you, you saw it with the townspeople, with the fans, with the people at the hotel. We had the camera on him pregame in the tunnel coming into the stadium and he's stopping and talking to people that I didn't recognize but were obviously very important to him. Sure, we saw Robert Kraft and we saw him talk to Drew Brees, but he talked to 10 people in in the tunnel that were probably security people, staff people, uh, maintenance people, and that's what people don't understand. Um, it, It is not 
just the scoreboard. It's not just the Super Bowl rings. It, it is those relationships that had been built over 20 years. And I, for one, I didn't see how he was going to play well with all of those uh, things built up, but, but he did. He did a good job managing the emotions and, and getting the job done. Yeah, it's uh, you think about all the people that he sees. That's part of it. But then going back to Gillette Stadium, I mean, it's it's crazy. Tom Brady was going to the visitors' locker room. <laughs> I mean, coming out at a different time with a buccaneer on his helmet as he looks up and sees uh, six championship banners that he was very much a part of hanging there uh, in the Gillette Stadium sky. So yeah, that that had to be very emotional. But you talk about the way he played. Uh, you coached against him. And I've heard people say he looks the same or, or better than he did, you know, 15 years ago. And I find that hard to believe. I know he's playing at a very high level at 44, but from a coaching standpoint, do you think Tom Brady is playing at a higher level now than he did in his uh, mid 20s or even early 30s? He is doing some things better, Michael. Um, the decision making is so quick and so fast. I think his accuracy is a little better. Uh, his arm strength doesn't seem to be that much off to me. So I, I think all in all, probably not the mobility and you know some things that you could kind of nitpick with. But all in all, I, I think he's playing at a, a better level, doing some things better than he did when I was there 13 years ago. You know. Uh Tony, I said to uh, Gary Carter, one of our producers before the show, I said, look, we got to, when we talk to these uh, coaches, when we talk to experts in, in different fields, we got to, we got to steal some of their knowledge, the things that we're watching the game, but they're seeing a different game. And that's you. Uh, you, you have uh, been in, involved in this game your entire life, especially from a coaching perspective. I'm just wondering, what did the Patriots do? Or what did you see schematically? that may have led to Tom Brady, not really, he was, he was barely 50% on his passes. Any coverages, were they mixing up? Were they, what were they doing that may have caused him to be just a little bit off on Sunday night? You know, they, and Rodney Harrison and I, we've sat next to each other for 12 years on Football Night in America. And Rodney has always said to play against Tom Brady, you have to get pressure up the middle right at him and then you've got to play tight man-to-man -man coverage. Force him not to play zone, not to have easy outlet throws, but make him make a lot of precise throws. He's going to make some great ones, but you've got to live with those and, and be ready to deal with the consequences. And that's what they did. They played man-to-man. -man. Uh, not having Rob Gronkowski was a big, big uh, hindrance to them because that mismatch they didn't have. And that's where Tom likes to go against man-to-man -man coverage. So... They put their best defender on Mike Evans. They made it tough. Evans made some plays. Antonio Brown made some plays on the number three corner. Uh, but they just said, we're going to live with this and hope that he's a 50% passer. Tom, I think, was a little bit caught up in the situation. He missed some balls that he, he normally hits. He probably had five or six balls that uh, maybe were just a little bit off. He had three or four other balls that if Rod Gronkowski's there, those are easy completions as opposed to Cameron Brate being a little better covered or not as big a target. So instead of being 62%, uh, he was a little above 50, and that, that was the difference. But there was nothing no, that I was said, just, oh, oh, here's this scheme that, that you know, came out of the blue or they did something that no one else did. They, they lined up and played. Yeah, I, and I, I thought it would be something like that. You know, imagine you, know, you spend 20 years with a player and the player spends 20 years with you and they pick up things that you don't even realize they pick up from your commentary and, and vice versa. So it's really uh, this, this, whole, you know, this whole tug where no one really has an advantage because everybody just knows so much uh, about the opponent. And, it, and the Patriots were taking on essentially... They were taking on their offense just with better personnel and clearly a better quarterback. I'm going to switch gears uh, and, and go from talking about a 44-year-old quarterback to somebody a generation younger. I mentioned him off the top. Justin Herbert had his 500th completion last night, Coach, and he hadn't even played 20 games in the league. And it makes me wonder if we overthink young quarterbacks sometimes because the only reason we, we saw Justin Herbert last year was a doctor's error 
in Los Angeles with Tyrod Taylor before the game. I mean, Tyrod Taylor was their starter. And okay, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm crazy. I won't take it personally. Uh, I know we have great respect for each other. So go ahead. You can you can make fun of me if you want. I find it hard no, to believe. You're, I know where you're going, and you're absolutely right. I, I sit and I, I hear all these people. Don't put the guy in. Yeah. Let him sit and learn. It, it makes no sense to me, especially in this day exactly. and age when you got to find out about people in their third or fourth year. It makes no sense. If I had been, I wasn't there when Peyton Manning was a rookie. But if I had told him, you know what, you're going to just sit and watch Kelly Holcomb play, and you're going to learn. You're going to take 10% of the snaps in practice, and you're going to just learn the pro game. He would have looked at me like I was nuts. And you see it over and over and over again. These guys who come in, Peyton Manning threw 28 interceptions. They won three games his first year. Yes, it wasn't pretty. But you know what? He learned from that. He grew. And getting probably 700 throws to Marvin Harrison in practice that year because he was getting the first team reps. Well, now the next year and the year after that, it pays off. And that's just what happened with Justin Herbert. And that's just what happened with Andrew Luck. And I've got to give a, a little shout out. The, the common denominator between Andrew Luck uh, being rookie of the year and playing great as a rookie and Justin Herbert doing the same thing was Pep Hamilton as a quarterback coach. And you get guys who know how to develop quarterbacks and you pour into them and let them play. That's how they get better. All right. So, yeah, I can see that. You talk about young quarterbacks playing and maybe the wins aren't there in the beginning, but they're better for the experience. Now, this is a little different story, uh, part, a different part of Florida than you're in right now. I know you're in Tampa, but, uh, you know, go up, go up a little bit uh, to Jacksonville. Yes, you got Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Young quarterback wins are going to be tough to come by, but the situation is a little more complicated than that. What do you make? I know uh, there's a lot there with with Shad Khan coming out and saying, hey, Urban Meyer has to earn the trust and credibility of us and, and his players. What do you make of that situation and where <laughs> if you if you had to point it out? I mean, there are probably several areas where Urban went wrong, but where, where can he learn? What area can he learn from most in your estimation? Well, I, I, everything that happened be, before this past week, to me, that you, you kind of live with that. And what I have you know, made Trevor Lawrence go through a competition to win the job, no, I wouldn't have. But that, that's the quarterback. I mean, that's the, the coach's decision. And some of the things that he's done, the way he's run practice. But I can tell you this, Michael, I played football for probably 16 years total. I coached it for 28 years. I never went to a game where the head coach didn't come back with my team. Me, myself, for 13 years as the head coach, 15 years as an assistant, 15 years playing. When the head coach went to a game, when we returned, the head coach came back with us. So that, to me, I, I just don't know how you do that and say, hey, I'm gonna stay in Ohio when you guys go back after the game. That was, that was the mistake to me. What happened in the bar or whatever, that, that's secondary. You go back with your team. We, we finished by getting home and getting everybody. It's your responsibility as the head coach to make sure everybody lands on that plane safe, everybody gets back to the facility. Then you do what you have to do. Yeah, and, and that's a great point because uh, I've thought about that with with the players. See, the players, and I said off the top, Tony, that they're not on scholarship now. They're not looking at you as the key to getting to the NFL. They're not looking for you to talk to your sources so they can go from being a third-round pick to a second-round pick or ultimately a first-round pick. They're already in the league, and so they see themselves as peers. It's, it's like grown men. It's, it's a peer relationship. How does he get those guys back? And Shad Khan said in that statement, you know, he's got to get credibility and trust. How does he get that credibility and trust with those players who look at him and say, man, you weren't even here it, with it, us after a tough loss? That is very, very difficult. Um, and he's going to have to work at that. And to be honest, I don't know how that will get done. But, but you're exactly right. I mean, we're always telling our players, we ride together, we're in this together. And then to say, well, hey, we've got four off days, so I'm going to stay here in Ohio with my family while you guys go back home. And, you know, we're kind of dismissing things from here. 
Uh, I just don't think as a leader you do that because you're sending a message, maybe subliminally, that you guys aren't as important to me as some things I have to do off the field. So uh, I, I think he's going to have to work. It's going to take some time. I hope he does get it back. I, I think they have some building blocks to, to be a very good team down the road. But uh, this, this is, this is going to be a tough one for Urban Meyer to overcome. So you left Foxborough. Uh, exhaustive uh, coverage, exhausting and exhaustive coverage of Patriots Buccaneers. Now, you know, Football Night in America, we've got a, a replay of the AFC Championship game, Buffalo, Kansas City. Kansas City back to 500. Buffalo shutting people down after that opening loss to Pittsburgh. What, what do you see in this game? And, and do you think that Buffalo has, I know it was competition last week, not great, but do you think Buffalo has learned from last year and has gone to that next level? I, I think Buffalo has improved. And th some of the things that they had to do to improve, they've addressed. They needed to get some more pass rush, and they, they addressed that in the draft and in their offseason. Uh, they needed to be better running the ball and giving Josh Allen some, some alternatives. And they've done that. It, it, it sure looks like the, their run game is better. Uh, they're playing with energy and emotion, and they're playing like things. Uh, th this is a meaningful part of the season. Kansas City is playing like they're they're kind of bored to me. Um, you know, we're we're good, and we know we're good. We can explode anytime we want. So th these first halves, we'll experiment a little bit, and then you know we'll really turn it on in the second half. I, I think Kansas City has to get back to work and get down to business, and maybe the fact that hey. You know, we lost to the Chargers. Now we've got Buffalo coming in. They look really good. Maybe that's going to be the wake-up call that the Chiefs need. Think about that, Tony. You're so good that you can afford to be bored and know that you can turn it on at, at any minute. Like, even if Kansas City doesn't win the division, I don't want to say they can just be casual, but even if they don't win the division, they're probably going to make the playoffs. And if you face them in the playoffs, you're probably going to be uncomfortable knowing <laughs> that you're facing Kansas City, whether it's at home or on the road, right? Oh, I promise you, no one would want to play them. Their, their defense isn't playing great, but uh, you just look at how quickly they can score, how they can explode, all the weapons they have. And then they, even on defense, you know, Chris Jones hasn't really been the Chris Jones we're used to seeing. Frank Clark has hardly played at all. When those guys get rolling, that makes them a, a different team. So, um, you know, Everything isn't there yet, and it's probably too early to push the panic button, but I would like to see them play a little more discipline, play a little more sound, and play with a little more passion, especially in the first half of these games. Tony, it's always a pleasure. Next time you come back, Michael will be here. I will tell Michael in the meantime, I'll tell him, hey, Tony was on. He agreed with everything I had to say. He said I was right and you were wrong. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, let, let's do that, that's just and what then, brothers uh, do, right? then he'll tell both of us why we were wrong, correct? Yeah, yeah, he will. But, hey, listen, I always, always enjoy talking with you, brother. Uh, we'll check in with you soon. Enjoy Sunday Night Football, Buffalo, Kansas City. We'll check in with you later. Should be great. Thanks for having me, Michael. Anytime. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If Kyrie was your teammate, what would you be saying? What would, especially if you're chasing a championship, how would you process this whole vaccination thing? Everything else that comes along with Kyrie. I would, I would go upstairs and say, get him up out of here. Mm-hmm. Get him up out of here. You, you, we, we, we go in with a two punch and a great shooter and some great balance like we got. Get his ass up out of here. Because now every day I have to answer questions about him and what he's doing. Now. Get his ass up out of here. Mm, wow. That's you think I'm, that actually happens? I, I don't know. Maybe you, you asked me if, if I was on the team. Cause yep. Of course, you know, of course, if I played with him, I'd be in charge all the way, all day. So, yeah. I'm going to say, whoever, whoever, whoever owns the Brooklyn Nets, get him up out of here. I feel like <clears throat> the only options was to get vaccinated or not play in the NBA. <laughs> um, it was a tough decision. Hopefully, you know, it works out in the long run. And 10 years, I'm so healthy. <laughs> it feels good to, to play, but, you know, getting vaccinated, that's going to be something that, you know, stays in my mind for a long time. Um, that's something I wanted to do. But I'm forced to, to, to do certain stuff, you know, to work and, all that, I guess, you don't own your body. <laughs> you know, that's what it comes down to. Um, you want to work in society today, then I guess they make the rules of what goes in your body and what you do. And uh, hopefully there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, stronger than me and keep fighting and you know, stand for what they believe. And you know, hopefully it works out, you know, for them. All right, uh, you just heard from Shaquille O'Neal and Andrew Wiggins um, talking about vaccinations, you know, two different perspectives. Shaquille O'Neal taking the, hey, I'm just going to take them and get them out of here approach. And Andrew Wiggins really saying some things that uh, I I find strange, uh, Nikias Duncan. I find strange, but, you know, I got to be honest. I know a lot of people... Uh, agree with Andrew Wiggins and are behind him. I thought it was mm-hmm. curious that he said some people who are stronger than me. But Nikias Duncan uh, needs no introduction, but I'll give you one anyway. A writer for the <laughs> Basketball News, uh, part of the Dunker Spot uh, podcast. So, wh- what what do you make of this? I mean, this is not just an NBA issue. This is a societal issue. This is our our new civil divide: vax, anti-vax. What do you make of what's going on in San Francisco with Andrew Wiggins and in Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving? Um, there are kind of like two things happening for me. Uh, one, I'll be transparent. Like I am vaccinated. Like I do think the science is there. Like I think unless you have some kind of medical exemption, you should get vaccinated for yourself, for the people around you. So I'll start with that. Um, like on one hand, I think it's important to add the context for, you know, within the black community, at least like there is historical reason to kind of have that hesitancy about not even just vaccines, but just kind of, you know, the government and the healthcare and the health system in general. So I do understand hesitation or having a little bit of fear there. And I don't think that context should be completely dismissed. However, I do think the science is kind of there with this one. And there have been a lot of strawman arguments brought up against the vaccination that feels like, at least in my Twitter circle and just the conversation at large, that it feels like we've been battling this for a year and a half, two years now, and it's getting kind of ridiculous. And within the context of the NBA, it's, you know, the health issue and the public safety issue is the most important thing, but just from a basketball perspective, Kyrie Irving not being vaccinated means he's missing 41 games. And we just saw a Brooklyn team that was eliminated in the second round in part because they didn't have their stars available. And for Andrew Wiggins, he was an important piece of the Warriors team last year, a good defender, good shooter, still a good scorer. He was at the risk of missing half of their games because of the vaccination. And for the Warriors, they're trying to maximize this window with Steph Curry's coming off one of, if not the best season of his career. 
you hope to get Clay Thompson back at some point. So like they're pushing for a title, so they can't afford to have their starting small forward missing half of their games while they're trying to make a playoff push. You know, and the guys before we go for uh, further, I gotta tell you, I, I, I was raised old school, old school. So that meant nobody had to call before they came over your house. They just pop up. Okay, mm. they pop up at your house. Then you let them in if they if they showed up at uh, dinner time strategically. Sometimes it was strategic. <laughs> okay, but you had had to sit down and and offer them a plate and. They took up, you know, some of the good pieces of chicken. That's the way it was. But you had to offer them a drink. You had to make them feel welcome. And I just got right into this vaccination conversation. I didn't say welcome to brother from another. I didn't say uh, how glad we are. I know Michael's not here, but he would say this. How glad we are to have you here. I didn't offer you anything to drink. What are you drinking today? I mean, let's before we go, (laughs) what do you want to drink? Uh, like I I have my my gallon of water beside me. I do a gallon of water every day. That's that's all I'm at right now. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we we can we can we can do that. Uh, I do want to ask you this. I know you talked about Brooklyn and and Kyrie. One, do you think Kyrie will actually go through with it? Because Andrew Wiggins said somebody's stronger than me. Well, I, I I'll tell you that Kyrie Irving is probably more dug in than anybody in the NBA. Do you mm-hmm. think that he would go through with it and say, "Look, I'm just gonna play road games." Sorry, uh, as long as they have this mandate in New York City, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to be vaccinated. Do you think that would happen? Would he do it? And would Brooklyn say, cool? Um, I don't think Brooklyn would say cool. I would start there. Like, as good as Kevin Durant is and proved that he was last season, as good as James Harden is, like, they are both over 30. They're trying to maximize that window as well. Um, They need Kyrie Irving to be that third guy for them. So I don't think they would just accept half the games from him. Um, I don't think Kyrie's ultimately going to go through with it. I will say if anyone was going to dig their heels in and miss 41 games or just step away completely, it would be him because he just marches to the beat of his own drum. And I don't say that in a negative fashion. Like he very much thinks about life in general in a very different way. So if anyone was going to take the, you know, quote unquote principal stand in this case, it would be Kyrie. I don't see him giving up that much money at the end of the day and kind of letting down Kevin Durant and James Harden. And again, like public safety should be the top barometer here, but you have to recognize that that's just not going to be the motivation for everyone. And so at the very least, he wants to win a title. He very much cares about winning. I think as we get near the regular season, I think he will eventually get vaccinated or at the very least try to find some kind of compromise to where he can play more games. Um, but this this has just been interesting to track for me. Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to ask you a couple more questions before we get you out of here. Uh, I really want to hit you on this. I don't know if you saw this uh, general managers pool uh, poll mm-hmm. that came out today, and 30 general managers, a, a, a range of topics. You know, best player in the league. They say the best player in the league is Kevin Durant. Best team in the league. They say it's Brooklyn. Now, how can you say Brooklyn is the best team in the league? You don't even know if Kyrie Irving is going to be there, or maybe they've got so much confidence in Brooklyn like Shaq does that they think two guys, Durant and Harden, mm-hmm. is enough to carry them to a championship. But what you know, really stood out to me, uh, Nikaias, help me out with this. I'm just trying to figure out the logic of NBA general managers. So it said, player you most likely build your team around. Mm-hmm. So Luka Doncic got the second most votes. I think he was at 33% or something like that. Mm. Well ahead of Giannis. So you'd much rather build around Luca than Giannis. Giannis got best defensive player. Giannis got most versatile defensive player. Uh, we know Giannis has a defensive player of the year award. We know he's got a finals MVP. We know he dropped 50 in game six in the clinching game. He's got a championship. Uh, he's mm. under 30 years old. He's in his prime. So what the hell are they talking about is my point. What are they talking about? <laughs> Like, can you explain that to like, wh- why would you, why, why is that? You can't go with age. You can't go with potential. Like Luca can't see Giannis on defense. He's not, you already said he's the most versatile guy. So can you explain that to me? 
I think if you're making the case for Luca, it's that, you know, Giannis is young. Luca is younger, still technically on the rookie contract. The big extension kicks in next year for him. Like, I think if you're making the case with Luca, it's age, it's also the playmaking ability and the shooting ability. Like, he can be an offensive engine in a way that Giannis can. Like, he just won a title, obviously. But I think there is more to pick at with Giannis from a scheme perspective than it is with Luca right now. So I think that's where the case lies with Luca. Um, I personally, my answer would be Giannis because of what you just Thank mentioned. You. Like he, like he just won a title. He is the most dominant rim pressure guy in the league. He is the most versatile. He's if he's not the most versatile defender in the league, he's very at the very least in the top three. He is a guy that can defend one through five in a pinch. Much more comfortable defending four positions than guards, but he can do that. Milwaukee's basically played him at the four, but when he's at the five, there's no answer for him or really no answer for Milwaukee as long as they have their wings shooting well from the perimeter. So my answer is Giannis, but I at least understand why GMs will say, right. okay, this is a younger guy, a transcendent pass- passer. All right, listen, uh, on the way out, uh, in 35 seconds, tell me why I'm so right that, and that the Phoenix Mercury will win the WNBA championship. They came the hard way. They came the hard way, Nikias. Tell me why the, why the, why the Phoenix Mercury are going to win the NBA championship, if you, WNBA championship, if you do believe that. Uh, this is a sore subject for me because I am an Aces enthusiast, so watching them kind of blow through the Aces <laughs> hurts a little bit. But no, the veteran experience is there. Brittany Griner is a dominant interior force. She's a, you have to double team her every time she touches the ball. Diana Taurasi's firing on all cylinders. Skylar Diggins-Smith can get to the rim, can pull, knock down pull-up jumpers whenever she wants to. It's a deep experience roster, so they're clicking. We'll see who comes out of the Sun Sky Series, but it wouldn't shock me at all if the Mercury pulled off. Hey, Nikaias, you got to come back. You got to come back. We'll spend some time with you talking about basketball and everything else, man. Appreciate it. And uh, and good luck in all the things that you're doing. You're doing great work. Thank you, sir. I'll be glad to be back. Just bring me a drink. Uh, You got it. You got it. That's Nikaias Duncan (laughs) joining us. Brother from another. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to do that thing. We'll see you. Thanks for hanging out this maiden voyage. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.